Thanks so much for joining us today on Leesburg Community Church's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, including directions and service times, please visit leesburgcc.org. On our website, you can also find notes and daily devotionals based on this teaching. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you liked today's message. Let us head into Psalm 23. And uh, we've been in that passage. It's a great passage. It's one that so many of us know so well. And uh, we've challenged ourselves as a church to try to, uh, to try to memorize that passage. I hope you've been working on it. I have, and what I found out last service is I got a lot more work to do. So, I thought I was further along than I was. <laughs> so let's see how far we all are. The words are going to be up on the screens, uh, but maybe you don't look at them. Maybe you do. I don't know. But let's, let's, uh, let's speak Psalm 23 together as one church. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, thank you for your word. May it speak to our hearts. May it dwell within us. May it challenge us. May it cause us to live and to act differently. And may it cause us to have the assurance that we certainly are, you desire for us to have. We love you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. So we're looking at verse 5 today, which is your, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. My cup overflows. So you can't get to this verse. You certainly can't stop at this verse without remembering everywhere you've been and understanding that if we don't gain anything else, we should gain a great confidence, a great assurance. We should gain so much from this. But if we can't walk away in agreement on one thing, it better be this. The Lord desires to bless us. The Lord desires. This passage screams that the Lord desires to bless us. And I don't know what's happened in our Christian community, but it's as if that's a dirty word or something that the Lord would desire to bless us. That it's, it's somehow something we shouldn't long for or desire. We should long for the Lord's blessings. We should want the Lord's blessings. We should realize that the Lord is in the business of blessing and not cursing. The Lord is in the business of blessing and not cursing. Now make no mistake, all of it is part of his character, right? Our God is a God of judgment. Our God is a God of, of, of holiness. Our God is a God of wrath, absolutely. A God of love, a God of everything. He is, God of, he is a God of, of goodness, a God of kindness, a God of grace, a God of mercy. He's a God of all those things. But when you say, what does God desire for his people to bless them? God does not desire that we would be cursed. He desires that we would be blessed. So the question as we start this morning is, are you living blessed? Are you living blessed? If you would say right now, if I had to have you raise your hand, and I say, hey, all of you who think that you are blessed, raise your hand, pa! Oh, you did it. That's really fun. That's so good. I'm blessed, right? And would you say you're blessed? 
And I hope that the answer, at least by the time we get done today, that every hand couldn't help but to go up. And that every moment and every morning of your life, your hand can't help to go off. As it slaps the alarm clock, you go, I am blessed. Because you walk with the living God. And he loves you. You are blessed. Now, blessing is not the size of your bank account. And that's not what means you're blessed. And it's not that if everything goes your way, the way that you really wanted it to, the way that you would write the story, that doesn't mean you're blessed. If there's no trouble in your life, that doesn't mean you're blessed. It's, it's certainly not if your life is financially, educationally, relationally, has greater opportunities or socially or on the pain scale or any other scale you want to use, that your life is better than someone else's. Oh, that doesn't mean you're blessed. And yet that's usually how we determine if we're blessed. We look at somebody else's life and go, oh, I have so much. They have so little. I'm so blessed. They have so much. I have so little. I'm not blessed. They have very little trouble in their life. I have mountains of trouble. I am not blessed. That's That's not God's economy there. That's not the scale that God uses at all. Those things are not the measure of blessing. To have the living God, creator of all things, the Holy One, the Holy One that is set apart from everything else, to have Him in your life. To have the Holy God receive you as His son and daughter. To want you as His son and daughter. And then to say, I will make my dwelling place with you. I will extend my power, my grace, and my mercy to you. I will extend my knowledge to you. I will lead you and guide your life. Church, beloved, as Paul would have called you, that is blessing. That is blessing. Before you crumple it up like, oh, there's some religion thing, blah. The living God says, I want you, and I will dwell with you. You are my son. You are my daughter. Could there be a greater blessing in all the world? Is there anything you could trade, anything you can imagine that you could trade that suddenly your life would be more blessed than to have God, God's presence dwell with you? To have God's presence dwell with you? you. I didn't think so. That also means that any action the Lord's a part of on on his part at all is also a blessing in my life. That means anything that he leads in, anything that he does, anything that he guides, anything that he says, anything that he gives is also a blessing in my life. Blessing is God's presence in your life, God's power in your life, God's hand in your life, and God's working out the details of your life. That is blessing. That is blessing. Now, will God work the details out of your life so that, some, so that you are uh, crazy wealthy? For some of us. Yeah. Will God work out the details of your life and the story of your life that every one of your children follow the Lord faithfully? Yeah, for some of us. For some of us. Will God work out the details of your life that you have this house or that house or this opportunity or that opportunity or this job or that job or this situation or this relationship or that outcome? or what? Yes. For some of us, 
what the Lord wants to bless our lives with, what he is guaranteed he will bless our lives with, what is consistent for every single person who calls on his name is that he wants to pour himself into our lives. He wants us to have his power, his knowledge, and his holiness. He wants us to be full of him. So seeing that that's the case, seeing that we have a, a God that desires and longs to bless us, seeing that blessing could entail many of these physical things, but always entails the presence and the holiness and the knowledge of God. Can I ask you something, church? Do you ask for blessing? Do you make that your most common prayer? Do you, do you ask the Lord? Do you sit before him and say, Lord, bless me? There was a prayer, and uh, somebody wrote a book, which means it made the prayer famous, because the prayer is literally only one verse in Scripture. We only know of this man in two verses of Scripture total, in total. That's all we know of him. He shows up, and he disappears just like that in a heartbeat. And then somebody wrote a little Christian book, and everybody started talking about him, and it's been two decades, so now nobody talks about him. So let's talk about him today, shall we? His name is Jabez. And in 1 Chronicles 4.10, it reads this. Now, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. That means he was a holy man. That means he sought that which was right and good, that which was holy, right? He sought that. He was honorable in his actions. He wanted that which was best and right. That's what he wanted. That's who, that's who Jabez was. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. It's a little bold of him, isn't it? Enlarge my territory, a little selfish, wouldn't you say? So God granted him what he requested. What do we do with that? We do this. What did he ask for? What did he ask? Oh, that you would bless me indeed, that you would enlarge my territory, right? That your hand would be with me, that your presence would be with me, that your guidance would be with me, that you would lead me and guide me every step, every moment, every decision, every choice, every word, that your hand would be on me, leading me and guiding me. The Lord is going to bless that. Done. Why don't you pray for it? Every day, wake up, pray for that, because the Lord's going to give it to you. Done. I mean, seriously, done. Oh, and then he goes on, and he says that, and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause anyone else. Lord, as I experience temptation, give me the strength, give me the power, give me the knowledge to see where temptation is, that I would not enter into that temptation, that I would not commit sin, but instead I would follow you obediently. And what have we said that we know throughout all of Scripture? Obedience. What follows obedience? Blessing. So he's praying for blessing, and how's he praying for it? He's saying, Lord, lead me, guide me, bless me with your hand. Bless me with your knowledge. Bless me and show me what evil is so that I don't partake in it, so that I don't hurt another or hurt myself. And then, yes, enlarge my territory, Lord. Enlarge it, that I would have greater influence. And that day when he prayed, right, not uncommon to today, but definitely more common then, land was everything. You owned land, you loaned everything. You wanted to be, uh, you wanted to be influential, you owned land. And what's he saying? He said, my territory. He said, bless me. Multiply it, that I would have more influence for what reason? That your hand would lead me and guide me, that I wouldn't lead anybody into evil, that I would, that I would glorify you. What if that was our prayer? Lord, bless my life. Give me more opportunities. Give me greater whatever it is that you say is greater. Give me more of whatever you say is more. Give me what I need to now share you 
in more circles and have more influence over people's lives or in people's lives. Would the Lord not grant that? Now, we don't get to tell the Lord how that's going to look. Jabez didn't do that either. He said, Lord, expand my territory. Lord, expand my influence. Lord, expand my, expand my platform. Lord, give, give me a, 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 greater, a greater way to, to share you. Look, David, Jabez, Joseph, Paul, they all understood that the blessing of God is not your net worth, but your soul's worth. The blessings of God are not about your net worth, but your soul's worth. And for the soul that knows its worth, they know that the Lord goes before. They know that the Lord protects. They know that the Lord leads in righteousness. For the one who knows the worth of a soul, they have a they have the name of the Lord to run to as a shield in times of need. And that they know that God is our defender and lifter of our head. He is the one who gives us strength. We become more and more fearless as we walk in his presence. We become more confident of his will as of, uh, more and more confident as his will becomes our will. Those who know the worth of their soul and know what it means to God understand that blessing is his presence, his power, and his knowledge in our life because he loves us and cares about us that much that he would be with us and he would lead us and he would guide us. The soul that knows its worth is the soul that knows that every opportunity in every situation in every moment is so that we can bear witness to the glory of God. That is why the Lord gives himself to us. That is why we will go through every situation, the dark days and the light days and the, the ones we want to jump and cheer and celebrate and the ones we want to bury our head and cry, we'll go through them all. Why? Because the Lord's presence is blessing us. And he is using that to illuminate himself. He is using that that we would declare his righteousness. We would show people what it's like to go through the dark valleys. We would show people what it's like to be led on paths of righteousness. We would show people what it's like to live by the hand of the shepherd, the good shepherd, to trust him, depend on him. We would illuminate that to others. That's blessing. But if you're going to live a blessed life, you're going to pray for blessing, you're going to pray for God's will on your life, you're going to pray for God's hand to declare where you go, you're going to pray for God's righteousness to be that which you pursue, you're going to pray for blessing, be sure of this, you're going to expect opposition. You're going to expect opposition. Because wherever the Lord is at work, opposition is close behind. Wherever the Lord is at work, opposition is close behind. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Notice that David didn't say, hey, after all the enemies went away, after all the attacks went away, after all the self-doubt went away, after, after everything went away, well then, and I mean then, everything was okay, and I sat down at the table of the Lord to feast in the life that he had for me. He didn't say that at all. He said, literally, we will feast at the table of the Lord in the midst of our enemies, in the midst of our trials, our circumstances, in the midst of our difficult moments. We will feast at the table of our Lord. We will feast on his knowledge. We will feast on his care. We will feast on his goodness. We will feast on all that he has for us. And it will be in the midst of our enemies. It's almost as if the Lord is saying, they're mine. 
And while you seek to attack them, while you seek to grab them, while you seek to detour them, while our own sinful nature seeks to derail us, that which God chooses to do for us, he's saying, hey, listen, everybody, listen up. I'm going to prepare this really special meal. And I'm going to cook it for them. And I'm going to make it for them. I'm going to put it before them. And you enemy, you don't get it. You don't get it. Because they are mine and under my protection. I will take care of them. I will persevere them. I will bring them to the other side. I will glorify myself through them. Don't give up. Don't give in. Just know the opposition is going to be there. Know what's coming after you. And sometimes you are the greatest opposition of all. Sometimes you are the greatest opposition to the blessing that God wants to bring in your life. He wants to lead you in a certain way. And you say no. He wants you to act in a certain way. And you say no. He wants you to risk something. And you say no. He tells you, I am your worth. And you say, I am worthless. I have made you worth because of my great love for you. And you say, I am not worthy. The Lord says, I want you to be this type of wife. And you say, I can't do that. The Lord says, I want you to be this type of husband. And you say, I can't do that. Just know, whether it comes from you or somewhere else, the moment we try to live in the midst of God's blessings, the moment that we want God's blessings, the moment we want that God-filled, God-knowledge, God-ordained, God-left, hand-on-my-life, life, opposition is on its way. Stand your ground. For Jesus said this. He said, if they oppose me, how much greater will they oppose you? Do you remember the day of blessing when he was baptized? Remember he came out of the water? That was a glorious day, right? He comes out of the water. Heaven opens up. This is my son who I am well pleased. That should have lasted at least a couple weeks, right? People should have walked around going, whoa. That that should have lasted at least a little bit of time. He winds up the next day in the desert, 40 days fasting, being tormented by the devil. If they will oppose me, how much greater will they oppose you? It's on its way. But don't get discouraged, okay? Don't get discouraged. You just need to know that it's on its way. But the Lord, right, what did he say? He's going to prepare a table in the midst of our enemies. So what do we know? We know that victory is certain. So don't give up and don't give in. Victory is certain. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What does this mean, before me in the presence of my enemies? Now, we think some commentators are kind of arguing and, and they've they kind of gone back and forth. Did, did David change his, uh, his metaphors here? Did he change his examples, illustrations? Did he go from talking about sheep and shepherds and wilderness to talking about uh, palaces and, and tables and banquets? Uh, yes. No. The, yeah, um, we don't know. We don't know. But here's the great thing about God's word. It fits both so beautifully that it doesn't have to be one or the other. It doesn't have to be. After they've traveled through the valley of the shadow of death and, you know, and all these crazy things are going on and they're, they're, they're getting through these long days that the shepherd is leading the sheep that we talked about last week. And they've had these brutal days and this brutal trip. They get to this, they'll get to a piece of flat land and the shepherd's called that a table. Interesting. And he'll bring them in in this place table. He'll circle them up. And if there is no food there, then he pulls out the food that he has out of his feed bag that he took with him just in case there wasn't anything for his sheep. Oh, because he's always prepared because he's the one that takes care 
of his sheep. Your Lord is always prepared. Nothing's out of his control. Nothing's out of his sight. Nothing's without, outside of his sovereignty. He will provide. And then, but, 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 but take a minute here, though. Where is this table? If you're talking about sheep and shepherd, where is this table? It's dead smack in the middle of the enemy. All the lions and the bears and the snakes and the this and the that, they're still surrounded the sheep. And here he goes, the shepherd going, I got gotcha. you. I got you, I still got my rod and I still got my staff and we're gonna circle up and I'm gonna feed you and you're gonna rest and you're gonna take comfort in my protection and my provision because I am with you. Oh, what a blessing to know the Lord your God is with you. You can take comfort in his provision and his protection all the time. What a great blessing that is. Or maybe it is the banquet table and you show up to the banquet table and you gotta understand in the ancient Near East, you didn't travel anywhere without it being dangerous and treacherous. The, the idea that your life was always on the line was a constant thing, and you always had enemies. And if you would have happened to be invited to the king's palace for this amazing banquet, guess what? Uh, jealousy! Jealousy. Why did you get invited and I didn't get invited? What's the deal? It makes you better than somebody else. And then you now have enemies trying to keep you from the presence of the Lord. Does that sound like anything in your own life? People trying to keep you from the presence of the Lord. Situations trying to keep you from the presence of the Lord. Busyness trying to keep you from the presence of the Lord. The things of this world trying to keep you from the, busy, from the presence of the Lord. Yes, you have been invited, sons and daughters of the king, to the king's palace to eat of the king's food, to sit at the banquet table, to have the Lord lavish his love upon you. And there will be those who try to keep that from you. And guess what happens? Oh, you're not only invited. You won't only make your way safely to the palace. Once you're there, the king's army surrounds you. Your enemies still exist. They're still right there. They'll still seek to destroy you, but you are now under the king's protection. So use whatever metaphor you want. It all works. Because here's the deal. Whatever your situation is, church, beloved, son or daughter of God, however dark it is, however difficult it is, you know, the situation or the thing or the, the feeling that you would not describe as a blessing, it's a blessing. It's drawing you closer to the presence of God. You're learning more about God. You're learning more about his knowledge of who he is and what he does. You're learning more about how to follow him. And if only you could go two weeks ahead or two years ahead or 10 years ahead, if only you could go, you would know that the Lord is right there preparing your table, preparing the blessing of this time, preparing the outcome of this. When you get to the other side, you're going to go, whoa, that's what you were doing? I had no idea. That's what you were bringing about in my life? I couldn't have imagined it. You're right, you couldn't, because you're not the living God. He is. Trust him. Don't give in. Don't give up. He is ahead of you preparing a table that you will feast at in the midst of your enemies. And Deuteronomy 6, as the, as the Israelites were getting ready to take over, to walk into the promised land, listen to what the Lord said to him. He said this. He said to, to them, When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build. Houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide. Wells you did not dig. Vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. 
And when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He is before us doing that which we did not do by our own hands, our own thoughts, our own will. He is preparing our future for us. We need to be faithful right now to not give up and not give in and follow him into the blessing. Experience the blessing of his presence today and the blessing of what he is preparing for us in the future. And it will all be to do what? To glorify him, to point to him, to shine light on his goodness and his greatness. When it gets really tough, when we're having a hard time remembering that victory is ahead of us, then here's what we have to do. We have to remember our anointing. We have to remember our anointing. I believe with all my heart that David absolutely remembered his anointing. Do you remember when he was, he was brought before, before Samuel and Samuel's like, uh, you know, all these other brothers were brought and they were big and handsome and good and strong and nope, not that one, not that one, not that one. And he said, hey, Jesse, you got another one? Yeah, he's out there being a shepherd. He's, you don't want him, do you? Yeah, bring him in here. Brings him in here and boom, what does the Lord do? What does the Lord do? Remember what he said? Well, it's in your notes. So here we go. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the presence of his brothers and from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. I got to believe that while David, was being, while David was being hunted down by Saul, while he was playing the harp and Saul was, you know, throwing spears at his head, I got to believe that while, while David was out in the desert feeling lonely, not able to go home with his family, I got to believe while David was held up in rocks and caves and experiencing depression that we may have never known in our life, I got to believe that in those moments, he remembered his anointing. Anointing in scripture is this. It's a consecration or it's a set apart for God's holy power. It is being set apart for God's holy power to be used in your life. And you're like, okay, Tim, what does all this have to do with me? If that's really your question and you don't get another thing out of today, then I want you to get this. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us Kings and priests, to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. For all those that are in Christ, you've been made kings and priests. You have been anointed. The Lord has consecrated you by the blood of Jesus Christ and set you aside to be a king and a priest. <laughs> you don't give up. You don't give in. You don't look at one of the Lord's blessings and see it as a curse. You have to believe based upon that anointing that he is for you and never against you. And that what is in your life is to glorify him and point to him so that others might know what you know. So that others might experience the power of the living God in their life. So that others might know the blessing that you know. Listen to how First Peter said it. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into a wonderful light. Why were we, why were we anointed kings and priests? That we would declare that which brought us out of darkness. That we would live in declaration of that which brought us out of darkness, of Jesus Christ. And can I just say something to you? If the Lord was going to give up himself, his son, on your behalf, if he was going to anoint you with the blood of Jesus Christ, if he was going to consecrate you and set you apart as his own family, 
would he leave you? Would he not bless you? Would he pile curses upon you? No. So I'm back to the same question, church. Are you blessed? Are you blessed? And finally, this one. The Lord's blessing is overflowing. The Lord is not short in his blessings. The Lord is not tempered in his blessings. The Lord does not give skimpily, 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 skimpily. We'll go with that word. In his blessings. He doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. Everything the Lord does, he does to the fullest. And we walk around and we live as if we're pulpers. We walk around and we live as if we are poor. Not in spirit in the sense that we need Jesus, that we're literally poor with the spirit. And that's impossible to be. This idea of abundance overflowing when you showed up and you were the VIP, here's what would happen. And by the way, Anointed kings and priests, sons and daughters of the living God, I think that declares you as VIP. And so you would show up to the banquet table and you'd have your cup. And the banquet master would come over and they'd pour in your cup. If you weren't a VIP, you would get get some. If you were a VIP, oh, you would fill up. Fill up. Possibly even overflowing. But for certain, your cup would never run dry. That banquet master had one job, and that was this, that the VIPs, those anointed and consecrated, those set apart to be used by God in his kingdom for his plans, for his glory, those that their blessings would overflow. They would be without stop. They would continue to come and continue to come and continue to come. I don't care what your outside circumstances look like. I don't care if you're sitting in a jail cell, if you can't figure out how to pay the bills, if, if tragedy has entered into your life, if you've lost a loved one, if you are, are, are dying of a sickness. I understand that those things are incredibly difficult, but the Lord's blessing continues to flow over those that are his because his presence remains, his presence remains in you, his knowledge is with you, his power is with you, and you go through every one of those circumstances as his consecrated son or daughter, priest, king, he will never leave you, never forsake you, and he is declaring his goodness, his greatness through your life. You are blessed. You are blessed. Do you live blessed? Do you know that you're blessed? Do you go to the Lord on a daily basis and say, bless me more? Bring those blessings, Lord, and if they mean more pain, bring it. If they mean an abundance, bring it. Whatever it means, Lord, I want your presence and your knowledge and your power in my life in a greater way. And I want the world to know who you are through me. And I'm going to leave you with this just in case, in all my excitement, that you doubt it. (laughs) I don't want you to doubt anything before you go. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to God for he will be abundantly pardoned. How much of your sins will be forgiven? Abundantly. All of them. Mm. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we think or ask or imagine, 
How much will the Lord do in your life? Immeasurably more than you have the thought to imagine. How much blessing? Immeasurably more. And then we, in, in 1 Peter 1.8, it says that there is an inexpressible and glorious joy available for all of those that are in him. What kind of joy is available to you? What kind of blessing comes from the Lord in terms of joy? And, and, and inexpressible and glorious joy. In Philippians 4, it says that there's a peace of God that transcends all understanding. It is so much. It is such a great peace. It's such a calming peace. It's such a secure peace that we can't even fathom it in our human mind, in our human condition. And in John 1.16, it says that there is a glorious blessing after glorious blessing for all those that are his. Now, what are you going to do with this blessing? What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Here's the very first thing you're going to do with it. You're going to refuse to look at your neighbor's cup. Your blessing is by the Lord's hand and divide and plan. Don't get caught looking at your neighbor's cup. I just went and saw Aladdin. <laughs> I didn't realize it was a musical. Hmm. Shows you what I know. I, I didn't know these things. I don't know. I was there with my wife, and all of a sudden they started singing. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> I enjoyed it. Still, nonetheless, it was fun. <clears throat> so, but he had the Abu, Abu monkey character guy, right? And there he is in the, in the little place where there's all the jewels. And what did he do? All he had to do was go after the lamp. That's all he had to do, go to the lamp. And all of a sudden, he gets transfixed on this, this other jewel. And then what happens? Boom. Man, they almost, well, everything almost caves in. They almost die. It's just tragic. Wow. Look, God's blessing is your blessing. Like, his blessing for you is the right blessing. Don't look over at somebody else and go, well, their cup is overfilling more because they actually have a bigger cup than I have. My cup's kind of small. Don't do that. Just enjoy the blessing that God gave you. I mean, come on. Check this out, right? We can't become jealous over other people's blessing when we become zealous over our blessings. We can't become jealous over other people's blessings when we become zealous over ours. Okay, last and final thing is this. What are you going to do with these blessings that the Lord's going to pour out to you? This life of blessing. We told you how you're going to, like, the problems are going to come with it, like the situations where you have to remember, have to remember your anointing and who you are. You're going to have to remember that, that there's victory. We talked about that, right? But what are you going to do? The first thing you're going to do is you're not going to look at your other, you're not going to look at your neighbor's blessings. You're just going to be zealous for your blessings. But then this, you're going to share your blessings. Because the Lord never gave you your blessing just for you. How short-sighted would that be? Our God is not short-sighted. He is always working ahead of us. So why is he blessing you? Why is your cup overflowing? That you will give it to somebody else. Doesn't that make sense? That why is our cup overflowing? Because he will give it to somebody else. What did the Lord do with himself? He gave himself away for us that we could have life. So in him blessing us, what does that make sense? That we will always bless us in a way that we will give it away to somebody else. Of course, there'll be an abundance because he's asking you to bless others whether it be with your knowledge, with what you understand about circumstances, with your prayer, with your deep commitment to the, to the providence of God, he is asking you to bless others. Maybe it is something monetary. Maybe it is something physical. He is asking you to give it away. Now, I had no idea Gretchen was going to talk about idolatry this morning, but how fun was that? Because listen to this. The best way to be sure that prosperity doesn't turn into idolatry is to practice generosity. The best way to be sure that prosperity doesn't turn into idolatry is to practice generosity. What do you do with the blessing? Don't look at your neighbor's cup. Be zealous for your blessing. 
Will you with the blessing? Give it away. Father, may that be us. May we long for your blessings, however they will come, whatever they will look like, for we know that it is always your presence and with always your knowledge. It is always your protection. It is always you in our lives. It is the greatest blessing of all. And so, Lord, bring what you will that our lives might glorify you. Father, bless every family that is here. Bless every marriage that is here. Bless every student that sits here. Bless every person in this room, Lord, that they would know you more. They would grow in you more. They would understand your power more. And that in their overfilling blessing, they would give it away. And that, Father, we would become the most generous people, your people, after you. We love you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen.